0: Section Thirty Six of Secrecy or the Ruin on the Rock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thomas Peter. Secrecy or the Ruin on the Rock by Eliza Fenwick, Volume Three, Letter Two, from Arthur Murden to Clement Montgomery. Thou wilt make her thy wife. Good God, what an implication! And is her claim yet to be enforced? I will make her my wife. How often, since I read thy letter, have I repeated those words, those despicable words. Trust me, Clement, I have no settled ill-will towards thee. No, by heaven have I not. Yet there are moments when I hate thee heartily. The severity with which I speak may dissolve the bond of our intimacy. Was it ever a bond of friendship? Carry me back to its origin. Mr. Murden, said the good-natured Bois, I have a young gentleman committed to my care whom I wish to make known to you. And then he expiated on the greatness of your expectations, the astonishing privacy of your education, and the singular naivete of your manners. Such as he described you were, and I neglected all my former acquaintance to run with you through the round of town amusements. With what enthusiasm did you enjoy?' with what fire did you describe no moment of disgust or lassitude assailed you the existing pleasure was still the best the greatest all to you was rapture fascination enchantment what a novelty methought how enviable and extraordinary for i had partaken of these pleasures without a particle of enjoyment Frequenting the resorts of dissipation from custom, laboring to compel my revolting senses to the gratifications of pleasure, struggling to wear a character opposite to my inclination, seeking in public to seduce the attentions of women, from whose hours of private yielding I fled with disgust, effectually removed from society which would have taught me the importance of mental pursuits, and living in the profusion of splendor, I almost prayed for once, for a something— Anything that could interrupt the routine of sameness, that could make me cease to be, as it were, the mere automaton of habit. You charmed me. I longed to investigate the source of your never-failing satisfactions. You did not inform my understanding, but you greatly interested my curiosity. My uncle talked of my making the grand tour, and that was your destiny likewise. It must be amusing, thought I, to travel with one so volatile yet energetic, and such an arrangement was speedily resolved on. We travelled. Sometimes you complained of my indifference, of the cold reserve that hung upon my character, but the avidity with which you perpetually hunted after variety, and the readiness wherewith I listened to your descriptions, reconciled you to whatever discordance you chanced to perceive between my feelings and your own. Am I not right, Clement? Was not this rather intimacy than friendship? While we viewed the Alps and Pyrenees, their sublimity poured into my mind a flood of enthusiasm, the laughing as the french emphatically call it country of italy filled me with delight but memory can often present such scenes with the warmth and vigour they first bestow and even her attempts were repressed by the multitudes of follies that perpetually assailed us i saw on every hand oppression priestcraft and blindness neither my tutor nor my companions were capable of stimulating me to inquire into the moral and physical causes of the evils i lamented and perceiving only the effect, I concluded they were without remedy, and dismissed the subject. To one point, then, I chained my expectations, and that one point was love. And here I keyed my fancy into the wildest hopes. I wanted beauty without vanity, talent without ostentation, delicacy without timidity, and courage without boast. If I saw the semblance of any of these qualities, I hastened to search for the rest. Disappointment succeeded disappointment without producing any other effect than to bring the visions of my brain before me with fresh allurements with increase of attributes. You, Montgomery, perhaps happily for yourself have been a stranger to this species of refinement. You could have loved anywhere. And the utmost stretch of your powers of imagination Were not producing the faint picture of that life of never-fading bliss I expected to enjoy When I should have found my ideal fair one For whose tenderness I preserve my heart a sanctuary, sacred and inviolate What then had been my faith if, when the prototype of the ideal form did burst upon me in existence I had been the chosen above all mankind of a heart corresponding in all things with my own Sir Thomas commanded me home. You I left without pain. To him I returned without pleasure. Yes, I returned home. And soon. It was men, Clement. Aye, then it was. You say I advise you to forget her in other arms. Montgomery, why did I advise? And wherein was I competent to judge? Had you not already prepared other arms to open for your reception? How could I divine that she whom you loved was not of the race of those beings to whom you were constantly lending the epithets of charming, lovely, exquisite, angelic, not beyond a glance of transient admiration, or a temporary delirium of the senses, could they excite in me? I sighed to find something worthy of remembrance. You sighed to forget the worth, the inestimable worth you had known. Wearied with the importunity of... WOULD TO GOD I COULD FORGET HER, FORGET HER IN OTHER ARMS, I SAID. MOST READILY DID YOU YIELD TO THE ADVICE, FOR WHICH, AS YOU HAVE JUSTLY SAID IN ONE OF YOUR LETTERS, YOU DESERVED, Tis YOUR OWN WORDS, CLEMENT, YOU DESERVED DAMNATION. AND WHAT ART THOU DOING NOW, NOW, EVEN THAT SHE HAS SACRIFICED HERSELF TO SAVE THEE FROM DESPAIR? THAT SHE HAS. LET THY HEART TELL THEE HER DESERTS, LET IT REMIND THEE THAT SHE IS SORROWING FOR THY SAFETY preparing in mind an affection against thy return ages of joy, of felicity such as never, merciful heaven, and thou art, seeking reconciliation with Jeanette Laundie. Rememberest thou, Montgomery, the terrific and awful minutes we passed on Vesuvius? Was not that a scene which, while it gratified curiosity and exhausted wonder, made nature shrink with repugnance from the situation? yet in all the horrors of a night worse than that hour lighted only by the flame of destruction with showers of thundering dangers obstructing my footsteps yet had I been thee clement would I have climbed that summit ay and precipitated myself into the gulf of ruin rather than for ever blacken the fair sheet of love by sinking to the embraces of a prostitute oh tis a stain indelible Will all great Neptune's ocean wash this blood clean from my hand? No, this my hand will rather the multitudinous sea incarnadine, making the green one red. I seek not to quarrel with you, Montgomery. Careless as to your resentment, but willing still to possess your esteem, I am not more ready to declaim against your errors than to confess my own. Yours are recoverable. Make peace with yourself in heaven will I go, not to expiate, but patiently to abide the punishment of mine. This is the last time, Clement, that mystery shall cloud my words and actions. In this very letter I meant to have cast it off. I thought I had torn myself forever from the enchantment, and that reserve and secrecy were at an end. But a strange, unexpected circumstance, the chance productive of benefit to those for whom I would, if possible, sacrifice more than self— LEADS ME ONCE MORE TO THAT SCENE WHERE MY DEAREST WISHES LIE BURIED, WHERE I RAISED A FUNERAL PILE OF ALL MY HOPES OF HAPPINESS IN THIS WORLD. TWAS I CONDUCTED THE FATAL TORCH, I STOOD PASSIVE AND WITNESSED THEIR ANNIHILATION. ONE DAY LONGER SHALL I REMAIN AT Barlow HALL. I ONLY ARRIVED HERE YESTERDAY. I MAY BE ABSENT A WEEK, THEN I RETURN AGAIN FOR A SHORT TIME TO SEEK IN SOLITUDE A TEMPORARY RECRUIT OF SPIRITS AND RESOLUTION much indeed do I need them. You I have to meet, my uncle too, all who call themselves my friends, for with this emaciated form and mere emaciated mind am I coming to London. And what is my business there to take an everlasting leave of you all, to implore Sir Thomas Barlow that he will allow me but a part of the ample provision he has given me here to supply nature's necessities in a foreign land. I go abroad, Opposition and remonstrances are a feather in the balance. I go, Montgomery, to find a grave. Life and I are already separated. I breathe, but I do not live. Sleep and peace are vanished from me. How swift are the ravages of an unhealthy mind, and who would not rejoice when the vague and fleeting scene shall have finally closed? But a little time, Montgomery, and rumor will say, or perhaps some stranger affected into sympathy by my youth will, as the least office of humanity, charge himself particularly to inform thee that it was a sigh of resignation which liberated the agonized soul, and forever sealed the lips of A Murden. End of section thirty six